so much for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes State of Michigan. How's it going? My name is Robert Kerr, host of the program as always. Uh, spring is here and lots of glorious soccer is being played. Great episode on the way to featured episodes on the show this week. Before we get to those, a little bit of a highlight of the headlines of this week in Michigan soccer. On Friday night, the Star Derby, the inaugural Star Derby between the Michigan Stars and Gold Star FC ended in a 2-1 win to the Michigan Stars. Big coaching change at the Michigan, or should I say, the Flint City Bucks. Uh, check out at MI Soccer Central for more information on that. Detroit City FC 0 0 result at the weekend down in Miami. Didn't take an L, but still not able to freely find the back of the net. LaRouge. Uh, like I said, if you want some more detail on these headlines and a, a whole lot of more coverage, including uh, girls high school games, check out at MI Soccer Central across all the major social media platforms. Also, with the busy season coming, we'd like to hear more about maybe what you'd like to see from me here on the podcast, as well as the uh, the account in general. There's a whole lot to cover, so we'd like to know uh, from some of you uh, listeners and followers uh, what you'd like to see and hear this summer. If you want to send an email, it's misoccercentral at gmail.com or DM us at any of those social media accounts. Okay, so now we'll feature, we'll go over to our feature interviews. Like I said, we got two of them this week. We're going to start off with the most timely of them. We're going to learn a bit about the Michigan State Cup as well as the Michigan Adult Soccer Association with Craig Beebe. You might know him, founder of Livonia City FC, but now a deputy director of the Adult Soccer Association here in Michigan. And then to end the episode, we're going to blur the line of the southern border a little bit, and we're going to chat to Coach Matt Johnson and learn a little bit about his team, Toledo Villa, here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Welcome here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Got a very exciting and timely segment coming up. My next guest, you may know him as the founder of Livonia City FC, but now he is a deputy director of the Michigan Adult Soccer Association. Welcome and pleased to join. be joined by uh, Craig Beebe. Hi, guys. Craig, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Um, like I said, it is timely because one of your uh, primary duties uh, being on uh, the, as a deputy director of the uh, Michigan Adult Soccer Association is you are running the uh, the state cup and the deadline to register for this year's uh, uh, tournament is, is coming up soon. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, this is my first year um, running the adult state cup. 
this Sunday, um, Sunday morning by noon, we're going to close the uh, registration. Um, uh, but basically, I run for the Michigan Adult Soccer Association, the men's uh, open state cup, the women's open state cup, the men's over 30 state cup and the uh, men's over 40 state cup. Um, and basically, for most people that are familiar with the youth state cup, it's kind of the same exact setup, uh, single elimination. And um, it's just teams from all over the state of Michigan um, that uh, want to be crowned uh, state cup champions. Um, but yeah, this is my first year running it. So we kind of made some changes to it this year, some exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm familiar with the youth side. I've actually done commentary on it the last couple of years. So I'm familiar with that. But uh, tell us uh, more about the the uh, the adult version of the tournament and kind of what's different this year as mm -hmm. you bring in uh, your ideas. So uh, the Youth State Cup usually starts with knockout rounds and group stage. Um, because of the tight uh, summer schedule, um, it is single elimination. So um, depending on how many teams is uh, kind of going to determine how many rounds. Um, there was, last I checked, uh, uh, 29 entries across all divisions so far. So that's kind of exciting. Um, so single elimination tournament, knockout rounds um, until you crown a champion. Um, for the first time, we're going to do um, a live draw um, on uh, for anyone that uh, is a local soccer fan. The Was Soccer Channel, We Are Soccer um, with Craig Hearn. Um, so we're actually going to do it just like the FA Cup. We're going to draw it out of, well, they use ping pong balls. We're probably going to draw it out of a hat, but uh, kind of cool. So everybody across the state is able to watch it. Um, we've kind of expanded and opened up the registration, um, before you needed to be a member of the Michigan adult soccer association directly to enter the state cup. And this year for the first time, we're opening it up to any adult teams in the state of Michigan, regardless of league affiliation. Um, so it's kind of exciting. You may see, you know, USL two teams like, uh, the Flint city bucks or AFC Ann Arbor. You could see some NPSL teams like FC Carpathia or um, the new one, the Michigan Rangers. Um, you're definitely going to see some Midwest Premier League teams. There's, I saw a couple of them sign up. Um, there is local teams like uh, historic clubs like Drita, the Albanian club uh, I had seen uh, signed up. And then on the women's side, um, there's uh, there's Great Lakes Women's League. There's um, the... Uh, uh, the USL two teams are all invited or the USW teams are all invited. Um, the UWS uh, first division and second division teams are all uh, invited. So we'll see kind of who signs up on that. Um, and then predominantly on the, on the men's uh, over 30 and over 40, a lot of those teams come from the Michigan United soccer league, which is actually the second largest league in the United States. Um, the most amount of registered teams in the U.S., I believe, is the UPSL still. And number two in the entire country is MUSL. Um, they have a lot of, like, older division uh, teams. They have an over 30, an over 40, an over 48, and an over 55 division in their league. So that's kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like a nice mix of teams from all across the state. Um, there's going to be some Grand Rapids teams. There's going to be some Detroit teams. Uh, there is a, a Midland team that had signed up uh, in one of the older divisions. So, should be representation from all over the state. So uh, this year's iteration of the state cup has uh, uh, a broader range of teams that can be accepted. And how many different tournaments are, or how many different divisions are there? Did you say? Uh, there's uh, the men's, the women's, the over 30 and the over 40. 
So there's four different divisions for people to enter. And you said that uh, one of the the leagues here in Michigan, I think you said MUSL is one of the biggest in the country. So yep. uh, that further goes to show that the 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 amateur soccer scene in Michigan is vibrant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, there's a couple. Uh, my my over thirty team, uh, or hopefully I'm twenty nine. So hopefully next year I get to play for them. But uh, Livonia City. Um, they, there's an over 30 Lavodia city team. Uh, there's a lot of, for you DCFC fans, there's a lot of retired Detroit city FC players that play on uh, next level training, um, in the over 30 division. The soccer is still really good in the older divisions. Um, they pass the ball and they run a little bit less, but, uh, it's, it's still some pretty exciting soccer. And so you said, uh, registration is open until, uh, Sunday the twenty third, and then you're you're doing the uh, the the draw show, which yep. is 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 very cool. I'll have to tune into that. Um, so how long does the tournament run? How long does the state cup so run, the, like through the calendar? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So it, it lasts throughout the summer, uh, depending on the divisions. Um, is going to be the play by dates. Um, but uh, there is uh, some teams that will start playing like the second week in May in the in the larger division where we got sixteen or more teams to knock out. Um, for the smaller divisions that may only see like maybe eight to you know ten teams in it, um, it may not start till late May. But sometime in May would be a team's first uh, a first match, and then there'd be a round or two in June, and then likely the finals in early July. Um, but it's uh, it's all kind of to be determined based on who signs up when the when you need to start the play. But it's going to last throughout the duration of the summer. That's very exciting. And then when did you say that that final might play out to be? So it's, it's going to be sometime in early July. Um, when we get to like the round of eight, we uh, like contact teams for who may want to host. And, uh, you know, we set the host date and stuff. Usually we let that uh, go by about the semifinals. We'll, we'll let know who is going to be hosting everything. Um, and then it, it's just kind of, it's based upon how many teams sign up in the division is, is going to determine start dates on all of it. But about, about every two weeks, I guess the best way to explain it is all, all of these teams that partake in their various leagues, the same way, maybe an English premier league team and a Bundesliga team have their weekend games. Um, maybe in the middle of the week, they have a champions league match. So this is kind of like their version of the state cup is, is their other competition that you may get to see a team from a different, uh, different league, um, in the competition to be, to be crowned the, uh, the, uh, Michigan state champion. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm understanding, uh, the context of it now. And then, so, um, how long has this competition been running? Is this something that uh, previous generations might have participated in? This is uh, this has been going on. Um, I don't know the exact start year, but um, uh, the, the gentleman that ran the state cup before me ran it for at least 15 years. Um, Lamonia City partook in it for six or seven years. Um, the uh, yeah, it's a historic competition. Uh, it, it's named after the, the trophy is named after Gerhard Mangle, who is also one of the national cups is named after him as well. He was kind of like a a pioneer in, uh, you know, uh, like Michigan soccer and, you know, and uh, nationally too. Um, but there's been teams like, uh, Carpathia kickers from, you know, the, the fifties and sixties, uh, uh, white Eagles, um, have been around since the fifties and sixties, the Polish club, uh, over in Sterling Heights. Um, uh, 
uh, more recent times, uh, one of the the better teams was Detroit Arsenal ran uh, ran by uh, uh, Wade Sana over at Soccer World back in the '90s and 2000s. So there's been a lot of uh, you know historic teams, and uh, as you know, uh, Robert, following soccer in Michigan, the soccer is really good here, and it has been for a while. Um, kind of stepping back a little bit, I, I'm pretty excited for the the tournament after explaining it and. I always love when uh, teams from different leagues get to play each other. Yeah. But um, your role, you said about two years ago, you, you stepped away uh, from your position at Livonia City to to uh, join the uh, Adult Soccer Association. But um, just as, as a learning exercise for myself and the listeners, uh, what all does the Michigan Adult Soccer Association, what all uh, do they do and like what is their overall uh, mission? Oh, great question. Um, so the Michigan Adult Soccer Association is a, is a nonprofit. Um, and essentially, we are members of USASA, United States Adult Soccer Association, and then by uh, relation, USASA Region 2, um, both of which are nonprofit organizations as well. So we handle all of the um, local leagues that want to uh, go through USASA. They register with Michigan Adult Soccer. Um, they pay an association fee of $150 for the year. Um, that provides them insurance. A lot of the colleges or universities and high schools that you may have to rent from, they require uh, liability insurance. So rather than having to go out and get your own insurance policy to rent fields, you can actually go th- right through us at Michigan um, Adult Soccer and uh, get your liability insurance. We also provide um, uh, the ability to register uh individual insurance uh, on all of your players for the year. Um, A lot of the players in the younger uh, age groups uh, that are partaking, you know, 18 um, and still playing in college, uh, a lot of the college coaches want to make sure that their players are being taken care of in the summer, you know, not getting injured and stuff. So insurance is a big deal for a lot of those college coaches. And then obviously, as you get older, um, myself included, uh, when you got to go to work the next day, um, and you're still playing in the over 30 and over 40 ranks, you want to make sure you have, you know, insurance. So um, it's just, you know, a safe way, I guess you could say, to continue to play the sport that you love. Okay, so it really lets, like, you know, amateur clubs kind of have a little bit of a safeguard and a little bit more of a, a larger structure and organization. Yeah, yeah. And in, in layman's terms. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And um it's, uh, it's just, uh, you know, and a, a way to keep continuing in the sport. Um, I, I know like when I started, uh, Livonia city a couple of years ago, there was a lot less, uh, you know, adult teams and uh, Robert, as we talked about, uh, and you talk about uh, every week, how many teams are there now across the state of Michigan for the adult game, right. To continue to stay involved after 18. I, but I know a couple of years ago when I was starting it, I, I didn't even know all these clubs existed and some of them didn't. So it's, it's really cool. And, uh, it's really about growing the game of soccer, I guess, is the Michigan Adult Soccer Association. That's the biggest thing. And we're just trying to grow the game of soccer. Uh, one of the uh, the constants here is that uh, there's always change. And uh, thankfully, the, the the changes that have been coming the last few years is the expansion and the addition and the, the raised interest. Um, even in uh, your hometown of Livonia, the, uh, the soccer landscape yeah. has changed considerably. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's a professional club by the name of Gold Star now in the in the uh, you know city of Livonia, and uh, we definitely like to think you know like uh, starting Livonia, like starting one of these teams in a smaller city like Livonia, you know, six seven years ago, 
um, you know, we think we, you know, made it cool to, you know, do it in a smaller town. And uh, now uh, we have Troy United. Um, there's uh, uh, there's uh, Inter, Inter Detroit came from the Latino League um, in Mexico. Um, Allianz playing in the UPSL, you know, came um, from the Latino Leagues. Um, there's there's all kinds of teams um, across the state. And um, it's uh, like you said, it's it's constantly changing, whether it's teams or leagues. But uh, the one thing that's constant is uh, that, that it's growing. I think that uh, every, that that's clear that it's growing. On the the, the subject of, of change, um, what are some of the things that uh, you or some other uh, newer members of the Michigan Soccer Association might be installing now or looking to install moving forward? Um, so yeah, uh, for the, uh, first time too, uh, David Alberstein, uh, took over running, uh, Michigan adult soccer as the president. Um, he has been involved in soccer in Michigan for, you know, over 20 years and, uh, it's kind of exciting. Um, uh, there's a, maybe like a refresh of board members. Um, uh, Alma Riley, um, started, uh, the Great Lakes Women's League. Um, and now she's the vice president, uh, myself and, uh, Ryan Okerstrom over from the MUSL are on the board, you know, a little bit of younger members kind of bringing fresh ideas, the state cup being a prime example of that, you know, um, in- involving, you know, social media and, uh, um, uh, live draw and different things to, you know, make it a little bit more exciting. Um, we are, uh, you know, working closer this year with the uh, Midwest Premier League, getting teams registered directly in the state of Michigan. Um, that's an exciting initiative just because um, that means that the, you know, the money from registration and stuff stays local um, because the Michigan Adult Soccer Association supports local soccer and uh, they're giving uh, money out, you know, to travel for local teams. So that, that keeps the money local for one. And then, um it, it just, you know, it's kind of like dealing with McDonald's or dealing with a local business, right? So uh, we, uh, you know, we, we try to grow the soccer specifically in the state of Michigan uh, through different initiatives. What is like a, uh, a big, like kind of long-term thing that, that could be within the power of uh, the organization to, to install maybe like what's a, like a big picture project yeah, or right. initiative? It's a great question. Um, I, I think um, that one of the things that like we're constantly look at looking for, and uh, like we talked about this briefly, um, it, it's like growing into areas we I guess we haven't been into. Um, I'm up in Traverse City um, for the last five months, and uh, there's actually a league starting up here. And uh, now that could be a new market, uh, you know, for maybe there'd be a Traverse City football club one day uh, that's playing in the in the one of the, uh, you know, one of the leagues downstate or, uh, you know, kind of um, last year, Lamonia City went to Mackinac Island and played uh, on the Mackinac Island Cup. Um, so growing, I, I think the number one thing that David and Elma have kind of talked about continually at a lot of the board meetings is growing into, you know, different markets that maybe Michigan soccer hasn't been in. And uh, there definitely is. I, I can tell you from being up here for the last five months, I, I play pickup soccer on Thursdays and Sundays with the same group of guys, there's, there's a decent amount of soccer up here, up North and, uh, uh, you know, growing, growing, uh, uh, around the state. So I think that's definitely, I would say number one is just kind of growing into markets that we haven't previously been in. That's, that's number one for them. How is the field availability up there in the Northern regions? I know that, uh, amateur teams kind of have a tricky time in the Metro Detroit area. Cause there's a lot of teams, not a lot of publicly available fields, how are they faring up there? Your sample size, you've only been there a few months, but 
have people been finding places to play? Yeah. Um, so uh, right now we play at the local college, um, uh, like futsal, right, in the winter. And as the weather starts to break up here, um, that we'll be moving outside. Uh, T-Bay's, the local youth club, has um, some fields. Um, and then I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, up in uh, Charlevoix um, in Petoskey area. There's some of actually the nicest fields in the state of Michigan. Um, they, ho- they host a uh, adult uh, tournament um, and youth tournament uh, on the same weekend in the middle of the summer. Um, so there's some good fields up here. Um, there's um, there's uh, some uh, high schools. So there's three or four high schools that have turf fields. Um, I would say very similar, you know, to Metro Detroit, uh, looking at your colleges and looking at your high schools is where most of the rentals come through. Um, and then the prominent youth club up here. But uh, yeah, there's there's enough fields uh, to go around up here. Um, so j- just like Metro Detroit, you rent from the high schools and the colleges. That's good to know. I'm glad there's there's people playing on, on all the regions of the state. Mm-hmm. We're kind of bringing it back to uh, the, the timely aspect of our conversation with the uh, the state cup uh, registration is open now. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a live draw on We Are Soccer on Sunday night. Yeah. Um, for the teams that are on the fence that haven't registered yet, how do they do so? You can go to uh, a Michigan Adult Soccer um, dot com and you can uh, click on the link directly there. It'll bring you to a Google Docs. You're just going to um, uh, register basically for the division you want to enter, um, and then uh, you'll get a you know confirmation email saying that you're, you've registered and what division you are. And then we will basically be sending out um, you know emails there um, for like further details, but. Well, Craig, uh, thank you so much for uh, letting us know and giving us a little bit of depth about not only uh, the State Cup, but the uh, Adult Soccer Association as well. And uh, all the best and uh, have some fun with uh, the live draw on Sunday night. Thank you. I appreciate it, Robert. Thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, thanks uh, to you and Dan and the guys and everyone involved over at uh, Michigan Soccer. Um, I still remember uh, Dan coming uh, to one of the first Livonia City games at uh, at a, a, a like a park essentially uh, at Bicentennial Park in Livonia. Um, they, uh, you guys do some of the best coverage of uh, the non-league soccer um, probably in the country, to be honest. You guys are you guys are on it, and uh, we really appreciate it. The, the people that run clubs and, and leagues and organizations, we all really appreciate the work you guys do. segment we're going to blur the lines of our borders just a little bit do something a little bit different we've got a coach of a team that straddles the border of michigan and ohio he's been the coach there since 2020 he holds the ussf b license has a pro a professional playing experience has coached here in the great lake state at mary grove and the youth level at Wolves and Hawks. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show the head coach of Toledo Villa, Matt Johnson. Welcome to Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, sir. Thanks so much, Rob. It's good to be on. 
So I said I was blurring the lines a little bit. Uh, does what's the the loyalty to Ohio and Toledo like these days? <laughs> um, I think it's probably almost a 50-50 split to me between. I guess if you just take like the Ohio State Michigan um, rivalry, certainly there are a number of Ohio State fans, but there are probably close to equally as many Michigan side Michigan fans. So it's 50-50. So it's truly split. I mean, and that makes sense for a, a, a border territory in a uh, in a civil dispute like that. But um, uh, I've been asked to reach out to you guys because a lot of folks, I mean, obviously right on the border, southeast Michigan for for soccer fans that are uh, into the summer soccer seasons. It's definitely uh, in their range to support down there. And then I'm big into USL2 being a uh, supporter of Oakland County FC, and we faced you guys a number of times while we were both in the Great Lakes Division. Um, Correct. For the folks that are unfamiliar, can you just give them a little brief overview of what Toledo Villa is all about? Um, sure. So, obviously, we're a, a USL2 club. Um, I think... There's been some growth over the past, I guess, five or six years. I think Villa came in, and this predates me, but they, they came in um, playing in, in lower, kind of like UPSL, that that type of level. Um, but there was a, a movement, I feel like, three or four years ago where a few clubs, Oakland County is, is one of them, that decided that they wanted something a little bit more, I guess, stable a little bit better nationwide footprint um, for whatever reason and villa was one of those clubs that decided to make the move up to usl2 um, so that's that's sort of where the the short history um, so this will be our third season in usl2 and trying to make i, I guess little strides in terms of our our level of play our off-field situation in terms of um, where we're able to house players, what we're able to do for players, um, trying to improve our, uh, I guess, general setup as a, as a club. And we've certainly made strides over those two or three years. So what are some of the things uh, could you re- that you referenced that you've seen added or improved to the club since you've been there? So I think one of the main things that you have to have at the USL2 level is the ability to kind of house players. Um, so we've increased our our spots in housing, um, which certainly now that in, increases our ability to, to recruit. Um, Toledo is certainly not a, a small metro area and it's a good soccer area, but I think if we were to only rely on players from Toledo that want to come back home, that's really not enough. So we have to be able to, to bring some players in. And so having housing, um, having an ability to to help with kind of like uh, uh, meals and those sorts of things to supplement for for players. That's really increased our ability to bring in good players and increase the depth and quality of the roster, Um, which I think, again, in order to be competitive, seasons are so short in the USL2 level and the turnover of players is relatively high. So it's, you know, the, the quality of players that you have, I think, makes a, a huge, huge difference. There's just not that much time as any kind of coaching staff to to change the direction. It's it's hugely reliant on players that are, are good already. 
not that the coaching staff doesn't have an effect, but certainly player recruitment is, is really important. Yeah, and that's something that's always on the go. And uh, you are also a, a college coach. So are you just uh, recruiting nonstop? <laughs> it, sometimes it feels that way. Um, and that's another thing that we've we've changed a, a little bit how we've done our player recruitment this year because I went to the club and I, the owners and said, you know, I, where we've gotten so far has been good. Um, but the reality is a, a lot of the not necessarily conversations and recruiting per se, but a lot of the watching of games and, and scouting and, and developing those networks to bring in players is really difficult for for me to do because those are college players that are playing and during that season it's difficult for me to go and watch uh, because I'm watching my own team and I'm watching you know our future opponents and and focused on that. So uh, we we've increased I guess our, our network in terms of the front office. Um, to go and watch watch other college games and and maybe recruit other college players at a time when I'm less focused on that. So I think that we're cautiously optimistic that it's going to help us, you know, in, again, just increase our level a bit this summer. You um, guys were in the Great Lakes Division in 2021, um, but that changed last year, I believe, uh, you were switched over or re, realigned over to the Valley Division. What kind of teams are you playing this year? Yeah, so I think we we lost some of the the Michigan opponents and, and we gained, I, I guess, going further east. So, you know, replacing the, the Oakland counties and the Flint Bucks and some of those teams with FC Buffalo, um, Cleveland Force. We still do have our, our Ohio opponents, so... Um, Dayton Dutch Lions, uh, Cincinnati Kings Hammer, uh, as well as going to, to Fort Wayne for Fort Wayne FC. So we, we lost some, uh, I would say, potential close rivalries to the north, um, but we still feel like it's a very competitive division and, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, the trip to Toledo was one of my favorite uh, away trips as an Oakland County FC supporter. I mean, you know, the distance wise was fantastic. Just, you know, just being on the other side of the border, like an hour away from Metro Detroit and anyone south of Detroit, it's really a hop, skip and a jump. But also uh, the facilities you guys play on uh, the campus of University Toledo. And I know the players really like those facilities, too. Are you guys returning there this year? Yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have a good relationship with with UT and to get to use that field and to your point, it is a in terms of of the the games that we play in USL two, great field, great setting. Um, we we certainly enjoy playing there. We're we're very lucky to be there. So, what are some of the things that uh, are new in twenty twenty three, or some of the, the new players? Like, what, what's uh, getting you excited uh, for the season that's coming up here pretty shortly? Well, I mean, uh, again, I think there is such a, a level of turnover. We feel like we have a a good group of attacking players um, coming in. So we think that between some of the, we, we've got a, a couple from, from BG that we think will, will do a good job, as well as some returning guys from from Duquesne. Um, have an All-American coming in from Charleston, so Division Two. So uh, 
I think that that side will be really good. We've certainly increased the depth and, depth and, and quality of our midfield, which was one of the, the key points that we felt like we needed to address. Um, but I, I also think it's it's tough with with USL too because it's there's a lot of players that I've seen video of and and I've seen maybe a, a game or two and a, a five or, or six minute highlight tape, but. It's really hard to, to kind of get a really good sense of the group until we get together on the field. So we, we do have a half a dozen returning players that we're, we're excited to have coming back. But the, the new players, we, we won't really know what we are until we, we get out there. Uh, when, does, uh, when are you actually able to get to the field? When are you going to get your, your group together for the first time? So we'll start in early May. Uh, again, because the, the nature of it being that there's so many college players and they're not available until early May, that sort of limits our ability to do a whole lot um, before then. Certainly, we've, we've watched some, some spring games and we're getting reports from coaches about how players are, are doing in the spring. And, and again, I think we're really pleased about how some of the, the guys that we have coming in have had really good springs um, and conversations we've had with them. They're excited and looking forward to the summer season. So that's a really good thing. But, you know, in terms of, of kind of a, a, an extended preseason or, or much time to do much together, it's, it's really compact. Um, the other thing that, that affects us a little bit is our housing is not available until kind of early to mid-May. Um, so any players that we, we have that are staying in housing, they can't, you know, we, we can't do much with them until we hit mid-May. So we really won't be fully whole, I think, as a group until 12th, 13th, 14th of May, something like that. That's tricky. The The calendar for the summer season uh, seems to only get trickier and trickier with uh, availability of players, availability of facilities. Um, with that said, um, players in general, this is kind of switching gears over to uh, you and your, your, your coaching. I was curious because you you played uh, collegiately, professionally, and have coached uh, youth and now at the collegiate level. What would you say? Uh, which direction is the player pool growing um, in general? Would you say? What would you say about the player pool now compared to when you were playing and in your early uh, coaching career? I mean, certainly the the baseline level of player I think is better now than it it ever has been. Um, just, you know, even you look at the, the technical level, the understanding of the game, the exposure to high level games, you know, when I was young, you know, I had a friend that was a Manchester United fan and he would get tapes sent over from his family in England. And so we'd get to watch it, you know, a, a month old Manchester United game that they had taped on a VHS. Now you, you know, everybody is watching Premier League games every weekend and, you can go in person and see MLS games and those sorts of things, you know, they, they trickle down. What a 12-year-old now sees and is around is is just better um, more often in the United States than, than what it was. Um, so I, I do think that certainly without a doubt, the, the general player pool level of, of players is, is good, is, is better now than it ever has been. I also think it's, you know, there's, there's probably more opportunities now than there have been. Just if you look at the size of USL2, um, MLS at the top level is is growing, but then, you know, there are teams in the championship with, 
that are, are quite, quite good. That level of soccer is probably underrated by a lot of people, um, even just going down to the college game. So there's lots of good soccer out there. There, there are opportunities there, and, and there's lots of good players. I, I think I'm, if anything, I'm, I'm optimistic on the, the level of play within the U.S. and the direction and the growth of, of players. You told me that you uh, grew up in Minnesota. How many folks were watching uh, soccer out in Minnesota when you were growing up? <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I was very little, we had a team called the Minnesota Kicks, and that's probably the thing that made me, I guess, first get into the game. Um, and the Kicks had tons of fans. They drew really well. It was a, it was a thing. Uh, but again, the NASL sort of had a, a short arc of popularity, and then it went away. And after that, there wasn't not a, a ton. Um, again, it became the indoor. You had the MISL, the, the Minnesota Strikers, and I went to some Strikers games. But what you get to see now with a, a Minnesota United is so much better on a, on a regular basis. Um, that's a perfect example of it. For somebody that's uh, in your position, what would you tell uh, the young people that are just like, watching games on the TV, what, what should they be looking for? Just uh, just let them enjoy it how they will. You know, I think it really depends on, for the most part, I think you should watch it and enjoy it. Um, it depends a little bit on age and upon what you're, I guess, how serious you are about really trying to be a player. But I think, you know, for a 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old, going to games, watching it, you know, enjoying being around the game and watching the game is really the most important thing. Once you start to get a little bit older, you can start to pick out, you know, whether that be watching the position that you play, the the movement of the players, their body shape when they receive, little details of the game. Certainly those things are important, but I think those are important when you're old enough that it, you can really pick those things up. I, I think at a, at a young age, the most important thing is to enjoy the game and, and to be excited. I mean, you, the players that want to play, that want to come back tomorrow, that want to go home in the backyard and practice on their own and, and do those kinds of things, those are going to be the good players. What age that, does that spark usually happen? I mean, it may be different for different people, but I think oftentimes that's sort of like you're 6 to 10 maybe. Um, could be a little bit older. But, I, again, I think oftentimes – and this is a challenge sometimes for people in the United States is that it's that's not something that your parents can give you or, or a coach can give you or, or any of those kinds of things. I think that's some kids just have a little bit of that spark in them. You got to have that uh, that that urge to to go out in the backyard and play with the ball when maybe there isn't some sort of organized thing happening. Yeah, you got to want to do it because you enjoy it and you want to do it. Um, you can't want to do it because you get an ice cream cone if you get X amount of juggles or because there's a, a trophy at the end of the season or, or any of those kinds of things. And not that, you know, those things are nice and they're great. But I, I think it's the the kid has to, to love the game and to want to be good. Changing pace a little bit back to um, the senior game. You, you said it earlier that there's more opportunity than ever, but it does seem like the college season and the, the summer season don't necessarily align perfectly. And as an individual, as a coach that, that coaches on both sides of this, what, 
what could be done or is there any path do you see to the college calendar and the like the the pre-professional summer leagues how could those two uh, entities like cohabitate better do you think man that's a good question i don't know if there really is a good answer to that one i mean i know from the college side of things and as a college coach uh, i'm a proponent of it the the movement at the division one level is to split the season and make it more of a full school year season. So you're playing, you know, whatever it is, eight or 10 games in the fall and then eight or 10 games in the, in the spring. Um, I think there's a lot of benefits to that, to that season when it comes to the college season. And I suppose if you do it that way, then maybe you could shift the summer season to be slightly later and go into August because you wouldn't need to eat up so much of preseason in, in August for a college. But the reality is I just think it's it's never going to be easy to have those two things sitting side by side. Any season from a soccer standpoint to be two months, that's, that's super short, that's super compressed, and it, it's going to be hard to, to make it much longer than that while still having college. Yeah, because it seems like uh, as it stands, the the collegiate season, which, you know, these guys are oftentimes um, have scholarships and, you know, it's where they're following their academic careers and it's very important to them. So they want to save themselves. But it's like this big, important thing. And it's, you know, condensed into a kind of a, you know, two, three month smushed up season. And then the the summer, quote unquote, off season league is also compressed and squished at the same time so it seems like there's got to be a way to work that out yeah i mean the trick is you're talking about two separate entities that are working together in some respects but ultimately they're at odds you know i think the the real solution is for the the college season to be longer and maybe the summer season to kind of like go away or vice versa for college to become a smaller thing and, and college age people to, you know, for USL2 to be college. Um, if neither one of those things happens, then you're, you're having two separate seasons and, and you're, you know, you're playing a, a relatively short condensed college season and a relatively short and condensed USL season. I don't know that there's a, there's an easy way to do that. Certainly not easy. Uh, out of curiosity, um, uh, the name escapes me, but the supporters group for uh, Toledo Villa, do you, do you get asked questions like that about how can we extend the season and stuff like that? Because I know on my, on my side that we, we, you know, we live for the season, but it's so short. So do you get that sort of questions in Toledo? You know, I haven't had that conversation with the Black Swan Brigade, but certainly there's been some discussion about it. And I think maybe it was, my memory escapes me here, but it may have been at the UPSL level or one of the other leagues, but they talked about doing a fall season or, or extending it into the fall. Um, but again, I think that the challenge that you run into is the majority of your roster, all the best players, the ones that are are fit and hungry and, and doing the thing, they're college players. They're going back to play college in the fall. So, you know, an Oakland County or a Toledo Villa if they play a game against each other in October, it's going to be a completely different roster than than what that game looks like in June. It certainly will. It certainly will. And yeah, like you said, it's it's got to be fundamental change. <laughs> like the summer's got to be a whole other thing or college has to completely reinvent because or like the, the majority of the player pool 
you know, maybe not being in college, you know, there's different shifts. Like you said, the, the players that are going to play in October, they're probably either going to be high school players or guys that are, uh, you know, just want to keep playing and they're maybe just elite men's league players at that point. It, it's kind of hard to say. Correct. Recent college graduates, but now they're working and they're doing other things and, you know, chasing their soccer career is probably not at the forefront of, of their priority at that point. One of the things I have noticed this year, there's so many more summer league teams that one thing I've noticed anecdotally, of course, but it seems like players are trying to stay in shape longer after college, maybe a couple more years to give it a shot, maybe to to get a USL League one or a NISA contract or something like that. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I, I will say within the Toledo area, that's necessarily not a thing, but certainly I'm I'm aware of the, the kind of growth of the call it semi-pro or competitive amateur level, particularly in, in the Detroit area. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, it's a good question what that stems from. But without a doubt, I, I think that that certainly is a thing in, in Michigan. So to finish up on a uh, Toledo villain note, uh, you guys had a record of 4-10 and 10 last year. Uh, are you going to do better than that this year? And are you going to set a mark? I'm not big on kind of setting a mark. I think we will be better than than what we were last year. Uh, I think the, the goal for us, uh, as it's been the last couple of years, is to, to try and be in the playoff race at the end of the year and, and make the playoffs, um, which, uh, again, I think we, we feel that's a, a realistic and attainable goal. But every year presents its own challenges, and, and we do have some wild cards. I think Cleveland will – will look different this year than what they did last year. Buffalo is a new team coming in, so we're, we're not really sure what Buffalo is going to look like. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. But we feel like as a group, our our pool of talent is is greater than it was last year. We, we have a couple big losses that we need to replace. Um, but soccer, the nature of the sport is it's, it's a 11, 12, 13 player sport much more than it is a one or two one dominant player in soccer is makes less of a difference, I think, than in other sports like a basketball. So we feel like our our overall level of, of talent is, is good, and, and that bodes well for our chance of success. Well, Coach uh, Matt Johnson, uh, head coach of Toledo Villa, thank you so much for joining us here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. My pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to my guests, Matt Johnson and Craig Beebe for joining me here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. And thank you to all of the guests that have featured on our 100-plus episodes of the program. Uh, Be sure to uh, check out that back catalog of programs, a whole lot of teams featured, coaches, players, uh, media personalities, as well as fans, a whole lot to see there. And check out the YouTube for a lot of content there. I'm looking to grow that as much as possible. So as always, thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing the program as always. And thank you to the Michigan Soccer Central core team, Dan, Brooks, Steve, and Josh, and all the others who contribute by sending in scores and information to our various social media accounts. Be sure to send in a message and let us know what you want to see from us during this very busy season coming on up. So 
Until next time, everybody, please enjoy your soccer.